Uh, oh no, it's that misogynistic uh, cat. Run! <laughs> <laughs> this cat hates women. Welcome to We Should Know Better, the podcast where we hitchhike through Wikipedia. Uh, I am Sky. I'm Kyle. And I am Tim. And tonight, uh, Kyle and Tim are going to be racing from the page for Mike, Perens, Cat, and Perens to Whiskey. <laughs> Just plain old Whiskey. That's Mike? the game. Okay, hang on a second. Yeah, so it's Mike. If you put in Wiki... Uh, I guess, yeah, if you search Mike and then put cat in parentheses, you'll find Oh, I found him. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a short page, but it's a good page. It's a good old Felis Caddis. Oh, that's a great photo. Yep. So what these two are going to do is they're going to take turns clicking links within the pages to try to get to whiskey from Mike the Cat. Um, and uh, in order to see who goes first, I asked these guys. Um, I asked, essentially... If say a dist- say one of our two uh, listeners owned a mm-hmm. distillery, and uh, they said, "Hey, I love your podcast. You guys are witty. You're funny. You're the best around. Dang. I I want to like I have a new whiskey, uh, and I want to like you know brand it around the podcast. And you you guys are just so funny. You keep me in stitches. <laughs> well, you guys should come up with a name." And so, like, what would you guys name a whiskey that was essentially branded or named after our podcast? And and we're like, all right, mom, thank you. That's very nice, but you know, yeah, our moms are making um, whiskey. You know They're what? Why listening. not, Tim? Yeah. Our moms are running a prohibition era bootleg. Listen, this <laughs> in is COVID. A cla- <laughs> this is a classic gag, and I'm going to run with it. I don't care. Uh. Yeah. What do you got, Kyle? I, I'm so glad you asked, uh, Sky. Um, I, I decided that the name of the, of the brand of whiskey that we would, uh, we would have distilled for us is called, uh, Wiki's Mark. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's an easy one. It's an easy one. I, I just, you know, as far as the flavor goes, it's, um, it's a really, it's a classic, a real Mm -hmm. classic flavor. Uh, it has these. It has really strong notes of aged oil, because so much about so much of our uh, podcast revolves around ancient Greece. So, oh, nice. Thank you. Mm. Just old oil. Just a lot yeah. of olives. A ton of uh, <laughs> fermented olive oil. Yeah, just, in bourbon. Just mix. That's it what in. you want. <laughs> uh, Tim, what do you got? It's extremely uh, flammable. <laughs> so I came up with uh, We Distill Should Know Better. Ooh. Oh, and wow. it's actually pretty um, pretty standard whiskey. It, it's not really special in any way. But to drink it, you're first given a random drink of some other type. Okay. And after finishing that <laughs> oh, drink, wow. you have to order a drink that's related to that drink. <laughs> and keep going down the line until you finally reach something connected to the whiskey and by that time you're so drunk that it tastes great <laughs> you can order only order a whiskey in flights you have to get, it's like a set no no choosing you have to go down the line right oh uh, man hmm. you can't you this can't is... even like move them slightly out of order or get the whiskey that's next to the other whiskey or right. the drink that's next to the other drink if the if the drink if the drink you went to is bad like you can't take it you have to go back to the other drink the previous the drink. previous drink <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, actually actually again? don't pick mine it is deadly <laughs> do not <laughs> yours was we we should distill know better we, is that what we it distill was? should know better we distill should know better <laughs> <laughs> i mean now that Sorry. i hear someone else saying it to me <laughs> it's not a great name <laughs> I don't know, Tim. <laughs> so here's the thing. I think I go with Tim's because I, I, it's, it's a bad enough name that it's like I could see it go. Like 
it's just awkward enough that it, it fits in with other like especially I guess it's more beers that I've seen, but like when alcohol goes punny it like goes very punny. Oh yeah, of mm-hmm. course. Um <laughs> but it was it's it was it was a toss up though cuz I really like Kyle's aged oil. Yeah. Uh that was very good too. That that was a setup that did not land for Steven by the way. <laughs> he did he did not he didn't he didn't laugh at that. <laughs> so <laughs> I was taking a risk either way. Yeah, but good job both of you. Um <laughs> I think I'm going to give it give it to Tim for we distill should know better. We we distill we Okay. <laughs> yeah, we distill so, should know better. Is it that we should still know better? Like is that the is it Yeah, I mean, is it, I, mean I guess it should be that. I thought I thought we still should know better. Um Yeah, I worked, see where you're going. But then you add the duh in front of it and it, it sort of falls the wheels come off. <laughs> no, it's perfect. I I fully think it's perfect. 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 I like perfect. how like neither of you went for like the low hanging fruit of like whiskey should know better. Or... No. <laughs> <laughs> I like that though. Uh... That's good. <laughs> oh my. Uh, all right. Well, here we are at Mike hyphen cat. Mike a very cat. special cat. cat. So yeah. I am. I have just been skimming this page so far, and whoever wrote this has had a great time doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's a short page, but yeah. every sentence is, is oh, yeah. important. I think I think we should read pretty much the whole thing. Um, mm. Mike, uh, circa nineteen oh eight to January nineteen twenty nine. That's a long time for a cat. Holy crud! Wow, was well, yeah, a cat who guarded the gates of the British Museum, whose fame was such that Time Magazine devoted two articles to him on his death. E.A. Wallace Budge's work describing the life of Mike has been viewed as the zenith of such biographical writing. (laughs) I just want to say that uh, they have a picture of Mike and his expression is is very much like the the cat with a banana meme. (laughs) Like, uh... (laughs) Do you see the caption? Yeah, Mike uh, expressing his opinion of a dog he had just driven off of the courtyard of the museum. Amazing. Like, ah, eh, get out of here. Eh. Early life. But with a but with an accent though, because it's eh. British. Oh yeah. I, <laughs> how you do how would you do I, I how would you do a cat with a British accent? I have accent? no idea. <laughs> uh, I'm realizing the, as I'm setting that up that it's a bad idea. <laughs> yep. In the spring of nineteen oh eight, Blackjack, the house cat of the museum, walked up to the keeper of Egyptian antiquities, E. A. Wallace Budge with a large object in his mouth, which he then deposited at the keeper's feet. The object was a kitten, later known as Mike. <laughs> so if you're our first cat's named Blackjack, yeah. Mike sounds like a bit, kind of a disappointment. Like, Maybe. Definitely a downgrade of a name. Maybe it's like short for something. Like, well, I mean, like, obviously Michael, but like, maybe it's like a... Mike Jack. Like a whole sent... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, you got it. That's it. Mike uh, Jike. But uh, the following year, Mike began to study under Blackjack. What? Yeah, you know, apprenticeship. Who taught the younger cat to stalk pigeons by pointing like a dog. Under Blackjack's guidance, Mike would proceed to corner the pigeons, daze them, then bring them to the housekeeper, who would exchange the bird for a morsel of food and milk and release them unharmed. I don't quite know about unharmed if the bird's been no. dazed. <laughs> Like that, that, that bird got whacked. <laughs> uh, Mike spent twenty also, years. Oh yeah, go ahead. Also, I just really enjoy the fact that the the cat, you know, who caught a bird, did not immediately go like, "Oh, this is already food." Right, but That's instead brought it. <laughs> like, it's kind of impressive that they just that the cat dazed the the birds instead of just like, "This bird's dead." Here you go. Here you go. <laughs> Good job, nice. cat. Uh, Mike spent 20 years at the British Museum, during which time he gained a certain notoriety for his misogynistic and sinophobic tendencies. Yeah. <laughs> pushing away any attempt at fraternization with women and having a dislike for dogs. Mike would only allow certain people to feed him, those who treated him as a man and brother, citation needed. <laughs> Interest in Mike spread such that he was described as probably the most famed British feline of the 20th century. What Mike about retired. the one that lives at 
in Japan. Oh, wait. No, uh, doesn't one live at, like, not at the palace, but at, uh, dang it. Uh, there's another, there's another famous British cat. I can't think of it right now. Well, I I'll, think you've I'll just proven your point. Yeah, I'm realizing <laughs> it as I say it. All right, there is fine, a, fine. There is a, like, I think it's an aquarium in Japan that has a cat that, like, greets people. Um, there's one, but I also one like, on a train, too. I also like that they describe this cat as misogynistic because it pushes away any attempt at fraternization with women. And it reminds me of, like, when, you know, somebody from, like, the 1800s or in the 1900s would be, they'd be like, yeah, he just had a lot of, a lot of male friends and just didn't, never married and just, you know, <laughs> didn't, uh, didn't seem to hang out with women, just men, really weird. Just yeah, had a lot confirm, of, yeah, they would stay the night. It was, yeah, confirmed bachelor. And it's like, yeah, pushing away any attempt at fraternization with women. I mean, can you imagine the cat literally like pushing away an attempt at being pet? <laughs> just raising up a pot, just being like, ah, no. No, stiff arm. Yes, actually. I have I have met a cat. Huh? Yes, I can't imagine that. This cat sees a pet like a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's the opposite of what you want. Uh, that's a great cat right there. Ah, Mike retired. Oh, the yeah. best. Yeah, the best fine. Ah. I love that. I love that Takes so much. a pet like no problem. Uh, uh, Mike retired from official duties in 1924 and was made a pensioner quote unquote he continued to take an interest in the comings and goings at the museum and was especially active when it came to chasing off the occasional wandering dogs who reportedly fled in terror when he attacked uh, oh no it's that misogynistic uh, cat right <laughs> cat hates women <laughs> In 1927, Mike was featured in an article in The Star, which stated that he eyes the scholars, famous men from all countries, as philosophically as the later stream of mere curiosity hunters. What? High school girls in trim uniform, London street urchins who make the portico a playground, black-robed monks, galley-sari-eyed Hindu ladies, dapper little Japs, wow, and and horn-spectacled tourists are all alike to him. Yep. Okay, yeah, that got sick that after that. Dove. Yeah. <laughs> when Mike died, Wallace Budge contributed to the Evening Standard an obituary of Mike, which became the basis of his monograph, Mike the Cat, who assisted in keeping the main gate of the British Museum from February 1909 to January 1929. That's a monograph that slips off the top. <laughs> <laughs> this work includes an ode composed by F.C.W. Hiley, which ends... Old Mike, farewell, we all regret you, although you would not let us pet you. Of cats the wisest, oldest, best cat, this be your motto, <laughs> Resquiscat. I uh, hope I pronounced that correctly. You know, it's, it's rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. how very clever. Yeah. Had to stick cat at the end of it. Um, no, I mean, that's, that's, the actual, that's the actual word. Is it really? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um. Mike's tombstone was erected near the Great Russell Street entrance, and the inscription reads, <laughs> He assisted in keeping the main gate of the British Museum from February 1909 to January 1929. All right, children, just, let's all repeat. Just the facts. Let's all repeat the, the most famous monograph of Mike the Cat. He assisted in keeping the main gate <laughs> the of the main, British the Museum, of the British Museum <laughs> from, from February 1909. To January, to January 1929. 1929. Very good, children. <laughs> oh, can we just end the show here? This is great. <laughs> yeah, uh, my friend Ben uh, turned me on to this page, and I was like, I can't not. Even yeah. though it's very short, it's a good starting page because you, you guys can get to whiskey. You just gotta, yeah. you, know, you can get to whiskey through misogyny. I'm sure. Actually, that's probably pretty good. Uh, cool actually, now I think yeah, about it. You know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go to that page, no. but <laughs> but it would but, but it would work is what we're saying. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. Man, I might. I think I, I think I'm going to choose. There's not a lot of options as we noted, but I think I'm going to go to pointing like a dog, pointing breed, because that pointing feels breed. like something that would be on a bottle. Of ah. Like they have a yeah, and they have like a hunt like a hunter friend. Mm-hmm. Hunting and whiskey goes in hand in hand. Yeah. I was right. There is okay. The chief Mauser to the cabinet office is the title of the official resident uh, cat of the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom at 10 Downing Street. 
Oh. You're right. There's a chief mouser now that I think about it. The uh, the incumbent who is uh, the incumbent is currently Larry. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I who guess if been... you're gonna have a famous cat, you gotta give him like a a, a god fearing like standard name. Yeah. Like like uh, like Mouser's not that's not a that's not a name of a working cat. Mike. Mike's a working cat. Mike's Larry's a working, a working cat. Name. Yeah. Snuffles? No, they've, Snuffles don't work. No, they've all get they've all had pretty standard names. There's a lot of Peter and Humphrey. There's a Sybil, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh the current one has been so since 2011 and this is an actual quote unquote office appointed by the prime minister (laughs) Mm. so there you go amazing i knew it was real (laughs) sorry where are you going oh did tim pick already i'm sorry yes tim where where did you go i'm sorry i I went to pointing dog listen sometimes i just i need to know (laughs) that's part of the reason that i that we do this show you know pointing dog huh all right hmm I'm half tempted to like click on time because that would give me a lot of options, probably. Yeah, it's true. And weirdly, Time Magazine. Sin- yeah, sin- Sinophobia actually, on in in its way, could also get me to something nearby. I think. But Tim's already kind of taking the dog route, the dog leg, as you as you will. Ah, um, I'm gonna click time. Okay. Cool. Tim. Pointing so, dog. I guess they don't drink because I don't find any alcohol on this page. Oh. <laughs> um, pointing dogs, sometimes called bird dogs, are a type of gun dog. Whoa. <laughs> gun dog. Whoa. Wait, hold on a second. It, is, is, linked. it is linked, and I am tempted. Oh, it just says, it also it says like it's also bird dog. Oh, uh, well. Used in fighting there are three games. classes of gun dogs. Gun dog. we, we know we know what this is, but we all know what we oh, want. That's a, to, that's right? a high caliber gun dog right there, mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, gun dogs are traditionally divided into three classes: retrievers, flushing dogs, and pointing breeds. <laughs> the name pointer comes from the dog's instinct to point by stopping and aiming its muzzle toward game. Okay, so let's go back to saying that how how Mike was would would point at rats yeah i i don't see a cat having as much of an effect at pointing like that <laughs> they don't really have long muzzles no it's true it's more like a just sort of direct at the thing mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> unless unless oh he's looking like at it he's paw? pointing at it. no he's just looking at it like it just directs its paw like it just lifts it and just like just po- like he's it. calling yeah. a shot like mm-hmm. you <laughs> Uh, pointers were selectively bred from dogs who had abundant pointing and backing instinct. They typically start to acquire their hunting instincts at about two months of age. Uh, pointing dogs can be dated to ancient Greek. No, okay. they can be dated to England and uh, Europe <laughs> in about the 1650s. Okay. Uh, they may have descended from dogs from Spain, specifically of the old Spanish pointer. Uh, pointing dogs were originally used by hunters who netted the game. The dog would freeze or set, as in setter. And allow the hunter to throw the net over the game before it flushed. Oh, is that what that means? I didn't realize that. I guess so. Flushing dogs, on the other hand, were often used by falconers to flush game for the raptors. So, you know, like like the dog in Duck Hunt. Uh, Oh my gosh. It's a flusher. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Uh, look at that. And a mocker. Asshole. Yeah. Uh, So... (laughs) Let's see here. The North American Versatile Hunting Dog Association. As opposed to, like, wow. the North American Not-So-Versatile Hunting Dog Association. The North American One-Use Dog, yeah. I guess, Association. <laughs> the North American One-Trick <laughs> Hunting Dog Association. <laughs> Defines versatility as, quote, the dog that is bred and trained to dependably hunt and point game, to retrieve on both land and water, and to track wounded game on both land and water, unquote. Okay. Um, Uh, The Westminster Kennel Club was organized in the early 1870s, and the club's early English import sensation is still used as the club logo. 
So the dog on the Westminster Kennel Club logo is nicknamed or is named Sensation. Whoa, really? That's apparently what what I'm. That's what I'm picking up on that sense. It's pretty cool. Yep. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this is not great. Um, duck hunting <laughs> might get me somewhere. <laughs> duck oh, hunting yeah. might get me to people who drink. I'm kind of tempted to the North American Versatile Hunting Dog Association (NAVDA). <laughs> Um, but I don't think that's going to give me much or it's just enough Spain. We can't just click on a country. That's right. Um, no, unfortunately I'm going to go to duck hunting. You can click on Europe. Eh. Continents are okay, but I'm not saying you should. I'm just yeah, giving you that. Option. Europe is too much. I'm going to go to duck hunting. Wow. Duck hunting. Mm-hmm. Taking, taking shots there. Take a shot. Europe is too much. Yep. Europe. I love um, you, but you're too much. <laughs> Some days it's just too much. Uh, right. Time, <clears throat> Time Magazine is an American weekly news magazine and news website. Uh, separate things, I guess they want us to know. Published and based in New York City, it was first published in New York City on March third, nineteen twenty-three, and for many years it was run by its influential co-founder Henry Luce. I actually thought this was older, or not older, younger than that. I I, I believed it was. Oh, really? uh, yeah, I thought it had started significantly sooner than that. But I guess it's mostly because I think of this as a magazine that you're you like my grandparents had copies of. Ah, uh, yeah. And so, like, I would see, I guess, yeah, like publications of it from like the fifties or, or so. So, yeah. Anyway, um, do do do. A European edition is published in London, which also covers the Middle East, Africa, and since uh, two thousand three, Latin America. There's an Asian edition as well. And a South Pacific edition that covers all of you know Oceania. Um, wow! As of 2012, time had a circulation of 3.3 million, making it the 11th most, most circulated magazine in the U.S. and the second most circulated weekly by people in, 20, uh, in July 2017. My goodness. Um, all right. So there. Uh, I want to. I just. There's not a lot on this page that I want to talk about because I mean, frankly. The history of it is actually, it's pretty dull. I would have assumed that it was going to be a lot more exciting given that it is one of those magazines that is known as a kind of the journal of the world sort of situation where you just kind of go places and talk about what's happening there. Which, by the way, I recently recently stumbled across some uh, historian or journalist historian talking about like, what you made uh, working for publications like time uh, back during uh, like world war two, essentially mm-hmm. um, like you could just, I mean, of course you were in a war zone, but you were not necessarily covering the war. But if you were in Europe uh, in like the forties um, you basically turned in, uh, you were, ah, geez, was this time or was this like people or something? I'm trying to remember now, but it was one of the big ones. Um, yeah, uh, but either way, like, you would turn in monthly, in an entire month, you would turn in 2,000 words. That's it. Oh. And, for, and for that, for that 2,000 words, which I, which I write on a near daily basis mm-hmm. for my job, um, for that 2,000 words, you would receive $4,000. <laughs> what? What? So, like, what the heck? $2 per word? Basically. And, I, and it's but it's because it's like a journalist or it's like the travel log situation like you're the only oh. person who can get this for you know like that kind of thing but mm-hmm. just wild like they just had so much more money to throw at these types of things back in the day well and i mean especially because the way that print was structured then it was this was the way you got news like that quote-unquote news uh in some cases um anyway uh yeah, so the the long and short of this story is is really that they just yeah, they're just wealthy people <laughs> making a weekly news magazine. That's what it is. Uh I I do want to mention that their first uh, yeah, they first called the proposed magazine Facts. Uh they wanted to emphasize brevity so that a busy man could read it in an hour, which is not how <laughs> I mean that magazine is definitely not. Wow. They changed the name to Time and used the slogan Take time. It's brief. Oh, that, that's mm. it. That's it. That's the slogan. 
That's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a, uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Yeah, there really wasn't a lot in here that I thought was interesting. I really thought there was going to be a lot more, for lack of a better word, intrigue. Uh, <laughs> because people that work in journalism at this time of, of you know, at that time in history tend to be, uh, yeah, uh, well-connected, let's say, in in, mm-hmm. in strange ways. Um, I do want to mention here that they uh, had arranged for a 30-minute radio program uh, in the 30s called The March of Time run alongside it, which is pretty great. Let's see. Here's the thing, though. I'm really trying to find something that's going to get me closer to whiskey. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, well, hmm. there are some, I mean, not really options, but yes. Oh, my gosh. How did I not notice this before? Uh, under style, time initially possessed a distinctive writing style, making regular use of inverted sentences. Uh, this was parodied in 1936 by Wolcott Gibbs in The New Yorker. Backward ran sentences until reeled the mind. Where it will all end knows God. It's clever. It's, you know, it's it's wordplay, you guys. It's like, you know, you do the sentence backwards so it makes you think about it more. Uh-huh. I got nothing. I'm sorry. Um, Let's see. Oh, wow. I didn't realize. Okay, hang on a second. Uh, they don't say when the red border. Oh, here it is. Time is also known for its signature red border, which was first introduced in 1927. Look at that. The border's only been changed six times since 1927. Uh, the issue released after September 11th, uh, the 2008 Earth Day issue, which had a green border, uh, the 10th anniversary of September 11th, uh, the oh uh a silver border for the uh, uh selection of barack obama as person of the year um the i guess the 26 december 2016 issue uh with the most influential photos of all time uh the oh a um the border for the issue uh so covering the protests surrounding george floyd the death of george floyd um, had included the names of people and then uh, the September coronavirus wow. uh, issue also had a uh, blackboard. So, yep. It's a lot lately. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. T- time, uh, some some very significant times, I suppose. Uh, there are, ah, oh, geez. I'm just really struggling to find something that's going to be, that's going to get me there. To, uh, yeah. Mm, I love that they include time for kids here. Uh, you should always I include mean, time for kids. Yeah, oh, yeah, very good. I didn't even know this was a thing. Um, there are so many people listed here, but none of them who really uh, that I know of as anyone who does any kind of <laughs> right. Who's well? One is connected to any kind of like, uh, like I guess leisure activity type situation. Two mm-hmm. um, lives in Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> I I will say they mentioned uh, they mentioned Nancy Pelosi up toward the top, and I was doing some mental mental math quickly to see like how quickly could I get to. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> from, he should not be named. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Um, I think what I'm honestly, uh, honestly leaning toward is. Um... <laughs> oh, geez. I had it here for a moment. Actually, no, environmental issues are probably not going to get me there. Oh, I don't know why, but Sports Illustrated seems like it could get me close Oh really? That feels like a weird thing that they would be that that would be like a an additional like joke thing that they would put in. Whiskey? I don't know. Well, you know, like, nah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm I just get, trying. 
there could be things there. Yeah, I could see. I'm gonna try. I can see what you're saying. All yeah, right, I'm gonna try Sports, Sports Illustrated. Illustrated. All right, all right. Tim, waterfowl hunting. Waterfowl hunting. What's this? Oh, enter immersive reader. What is this? What? Oh, I guess uh, there's just this little thing on my on my browser that just turns a page into like it removes all the sidebars and stuff and just makes it like a page of like like in a book. <laughs> <It's interesting>. Oh, <laughs> okay. <clears throat> well, sorry. Waterfowl hunting, also called wildfowling or water waterfowl shooting, in the UK, is a practice of hunting ducks, geese, or other waterfowl for food and sport. There are so many birds on this page, and I wish I knew if any were on whiskey bottles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's one, Tim. Famously, there's one. I don't know it. <gasps> I, I wish I, I know, was on that page. <laughs> I know, I know, Grey Goose, but that's a vodka. No, Tim. <laughs> Which that might get me closer. Oh no! I don't. I'm not Do a whiskey I dude. I mean, Fireball. <laughs> I know Fireball. I mean, also, also not a whiskey dude, but like I know this one. <laughs> Fireball's a whiskey. Oh. What's that? that? Isn't Fireball a whiskey? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. are you? Are you? Are, is this? Is this? None of us like, are Is it like whiskey. a definition? Or are you just being judgmental? Oh no no no! I I it's definitionally I do not know. <laughs> I'm not I'm not being judgmental. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Uh, there's a lot on this page. So I will talk just about um, boats. Killing ducks for years. Boats are used while hunting Whoa. to set up decoys, pick up birds, or travel to and from hunting areas. For general camouflage, boats are often painted some combination of brown, tan, green, and black. They can also be covered with grass or burlap and used as a hunting blind, known as sneak boat hunting. Sneak boat? Is that what you yep. just said? Sneak boat hunting. It's like goodwill hunting. They couldn't come up with a. They couldn't come up with a with a better name than sneak boat. You think they could, right? Because they spend so much time just sitting in the boat waiting for <laughs> waiting for birds. I mean, the boat doesn't do the sneaking. That's not the. I, mm. uh, boats for hunting. I feel like we should. Boats for hunting are generally either propelled by motor or with oars. Also see every other boat in existence. Oh, man. <laughs> That's all boats. All boats. That's not what we're here for. <laughs> My boat is powered by imagination. <laughs> Most popular... Oh, that's funny. My, mine's, uh, mine's powered by heart is what oh. it is. Just, just sheer heart. Most popular are flat-bottom boats, usually John boats, for increased stability with keels made of wood or aluminum. Okay. Painted kayaks or canoes made of aluminum or fiberglass reinforced with Kevlar are also used. These can navigate shallow streams or small narrow rivers in search of waterfowl. Care must be taken when shooting from boats as hunters may fall overboard due to loss of balance when shooting at waterfowl. You don't say. So, <laughs> so I, don't, I don't think this is what happened, but, but Sky and I's grandfather... Uh, went up to Canada on a hunting trip. I can't remember if it was waterfowl or not, uh, but okay. they were in kayaks on um, on some river or something up in Canada, and this big winter storm hit, and their boats, like the kayaks capsized. They had to swim to shore, get help. Uh, two of them did not survive. There were four people. Wow. And our grandfather survived with, like, major frostbite, almost died up there. Oh, my gosh. It was, yeah. It was, um, like, one of those incredible kind of family stories that I need to I need to find again. He actually typed it up. Uh, man, I got to find out where that is. Anyway, sorry, that was, that was a wild tangent. My goodness. Um... See here. Uh, pursuing diving ducks in lakes, bays, or sounds in the United States requires larger and more stable boats, as small boats have been known to capsize, wherein hunters can drown by hypothermia. Uh, sink boxes, boats that conceal the hunter under the water surface. What? Whoa. So you just like, 
You're just like in the belly of the boat. I guess. Uh, they are illegal to use in the United States, but technically legal in Canada. <laughs> I have never heard of something that is technically legal in Canada. <laughs> Ooh, um, What's the technicality on that, I wonder? It, it, uh, there is no source there, so I don't know. Like, like you have to be like standing on one foot while doing it? Like, what? As long as you have like a little sign like on the boat that says... <laughs> Hold up, I'm, I'm down in here. I don't know. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, so uh, I mentioned that the UK, uh, they don't use hunting because hunting is the term that they basically reserve for uh, pursuit of game on land with hounds. Goodness. So they just call it wild uh-huh. fowl shooting or wild fowling. Uh, wild ducks I... and geese are shot over foreshores and inland and coastal marshes in Europe. Birds are shot with a shotgun and, less commonly, a large single-barreled gun mounted on a small boat known as a punt gun. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Okay, uh, so, uh, since I do not know where to go with birds to get to booze, <laughs> uh, right, there let is... Me, uh... Oh, what? I want to give you two a hint. Well, not a hint, but something to consider is what whiskey is made of. Whiskey is made of wheat? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Barley? (laughs) Oh. Oh, man. There's (laughs) there's cornfields and rice paddies in here. But none of those is in whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) Weird. Uh, I mean, rice. Hmm. Rice. Might yeah, you don't make alcohol socket. out of corn. You don't make other alcohol out of corn or, ra- or rice. Make corn that's mash. Not, that's not anything anybody does. Definitely not. I'm gonna go to cornfields. <laughs> corn Takes me to maize. Maize. Oh. So, uh, Sports Illustrated oh. is an American Hello. sports magazine owned by the. Authentic Brands Group. Which, oh my god! That's a, name. <laughs> that's a, a picture of Mark. You're asking, Ford, you're asking of... lots of questions about our brands that are explained by the name of our brand company. <laughs> it's right here on my, on my shirt, and was first published in August 1954. Uh, hey guys, you want to guess how many sentences into this uh, into this uh, page that mentions the swimsuit edition? Two. Two. It's two. <laughs> Good guess. This picture is the owner of Sports Illustrated, and it's the most like, yep, that's him, Mark Ford. Oh, I've my ever gosh. seen. Yeah. Even like the eyes are like kind of red and just sort of dazed looking. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. The, the history of the sports magazine here is more, at least closer to the, the intrigue that I wanted from the Time page. Um, there were two magazines named Sports Illustrated before the current magazine. Whoa. Began on nineteen uh, in August ninth, nineteen fifty four. In nineteen thirty six, Stuart Shuftle, which is a fantastic name, um, created Sports Illustrated with a target market for sportsmen. He published the magazine from thirty six to thirty eight on a monthly basis, focused on golf, tennis, and skiing. Skiing. Those are the those are the skiing. sports he focused on. Those three: golf, tennis, and skiing. In the nineteen thirties. When you can't, when I can't think of, I don't know, any other major thing that was just on fire in the U.S. as a sport. <laughs> oh um, man! Anyway, uh, with with articles on the major sports, he then sold the name to Dell Publications, which released uh, Sports Illustrated in '49. That ish, that version lasted six issues before closing. Uh, it focused on the major sports, which it lists here as baseball, ding ding, basketball, and boxing. Your three Bs, I guess. And competed on magazine racks against Sport, which is just it's the entire name of the other publication, I guess. And other and other magazines with a national following of active actual active events. What kind of wording is that? Anyway, that's when that was the time when uh time patriarch Henry Luce uh began considering whether they wanted to take on that uh take on that title. 
at the time, many believed sports was beneath the attention of serious journalism and did not think sports news could fill a weekly magazine, especially during the winter. Sure. Uh-huh. Uh, a number of advisors told him not to do it, but uh, but Luce, who, it's, who it specifies here, was not a sports fan, decided the time was right. So, uh, Tim, mm-hmm. I want you to take a take a shot at this. Uh, they list here a couple of the uh, a couple of the names that were kicked around on the inside of the company for what they were going to try to possibly rebrand this uh, this magazine as. What what names do you think? Uh, they list three here. If you can name one, if you can nail one of them, I will be very impressed. For rebranding Sports Illustrated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, games drawn up. No. Okay. Um, I like the drawn up though. That's good. Uh. Oh, hold on. I'm sorry. I want to back up a second. Okay. This is not what they were going to rebrand specifically. It's this is what I'm sorry. <clears throat> this is what people within the company were calling the magazine, rather than its actual name. Okay. Um. Uh. Um. Sierra. Uh. Squat read weekly. Not super far off. Ooh. You read the spill. The spill, the, the Ocho. Um, one of the, na- the the names are, quote, Muscle, Jockstrap, and Sweat Socks. Cool. Those were the names that they referred to the magazine on, uh, magazine thought, internally using. I thought those were the, the terms the Secret Service used for Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, very good, Tim. <laughs> good job, Tim. Wow. We're all I'm, proud. I'm, yeah. <laughs> So quick on that. Uh, anyway, it's good. That's all I got for you on this page. There's, I mean, who cares? <laughs> uh, I was trying to find something here uh, regarding uh, that would get me closer. I did have something. Do, 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 do. Um. Okay. So yeah, golf, tennis, and skiing. Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Yachting, polo, and safaris. Uh, sports fans is one of these as well. Hmm. I really thought I had a link that. Oh yeah, here we are. Uh, New Year's Day is linked here, Ooh. and I think I'm going to click that. People drink on New Year's Day. Well, they certainly do. They do it the night before. Well, mm, well, but that might they be my own. Have a lot of hangovers on New Year's Day. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Done and done. Okay. Tim, maize. Maize. This article is about the commonly grown cereal grain. Corn redirects oh, here. <laughs> C-O-R-N. I always love a commonly grown cereal grain. Nothing about K-O-R-N. Maize, also known as corn, <laughs> thank you, is a cereal grain. <laughs> first domesticated by indigenous peoples in southern Mexico about 10,000 years ago. The leafy stalk of the plant produces pollen inflorescences ooh, and separates ovuliferous inflorescences called ears that yield kernels of seeds, which are fruits. Thank which are you, fruits. Mr. Plant Science. Wow. <laughs> that is a sentence. Is that, is that cited, Tim? <laughs> it is cited. Uh, where is this from? Good. Uh, the... <laughs> The uh, the article that is cited is titled, Please Settle a Dispute. Is sweet corn a vegetable or a grain? What is the difference? How about field corn? <laughs> From the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture. <laughs> That's really good. Is corn grass? <laughs> uh, see here. Maize has become a staple food in many parts of the world, with the total production of maize surpassing that of wheat or rice. In addition to being consumed directly by humans, often in the form of masa. What? What is that? Oh, it's like a uh, dough. Isn't that the... Yeah, okay, it's like yeah. tortilla, maybe, dough. Uh, maize is also used for corn ethanol. Ooh, we're getting toward alcohol. Animal feed and other maize products, <laughs> such as cornstarch and corn syrup. Uh, oh, alcohol? Here we go. Here we go. Uh, 
There's the six major types of maze. Kyle, can you name one of them? Uh, fire, water, earth, wind, and heart. <laughs> it was all. Oh, great. there's six. Dang it! It was all great <laughs> until the the fire corn attacked. <laughs> actually, oh, okay. actually, you Sorry. you know two of these. Do I really? You do. Uh, I mean, are they going to... Li- okay, so are are they going to list, like, Indian corn, quote-unquote, in that? No. I'm... Six types of maize, huh? Major types of maize, yep. <laughs> Sorry, major... <laughs> Hold on, that, that implies that there are minor types of maize? Of course. You get into oh. the plant world, there's so many, like, subdivisions. Oh, I mean, is it is it... Does it have to do with, like, the color of the kernels? Nope. I don't know. I got not a sweet corn. Yes, Would that be one. Yes, you got one. Okay, I got... sweet corn. All right, I got one. So there's dent corn, which I assume what? is just like the best blunt weapon of corn you can choose. <laughs> uh, flint corn so it, when you need to start a fire. Wow. <laughs> uh, pod corn, <laughs> which is what well, we do. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yo, pod corn looks wild. I'm gonna send you guys a picture. Okay. Uh, popcorn is the other one. I I I thought you could. Oh. But I, I wouldn't have, I I wouldn't have that considered that as a type of corn either, yeah. Yeah, uh, me either. Flower Goodness. corn and sweet corn. Oh, of course. Yep. Sugar-rich varieties called sweet corn are usually grown for human consumption as kernels, while field corn varieties are used for animal feed. Various corn-based human food uses, ah! <laughs> including grinding into cornmeal or masa, pressing into corn oil, and fermentation and distillation into alcoholic beverages like bourbon whiskey. Ah, dang. And as chemical feedstocks. I did not realize that this would get you so close. I so did fast. not either. I was not expecting that. I, just, I was expecting I gave just that like get to grass. I feel bad now. Um, yeah. I did get close though. I mean, he's not there yet. He's at bourbon whiskey. You yeah, can, it's bourbon whiskey. Be... It's not whiskey. <laughs> That's uh, true. Did you know that maize is a facultative short day plant? No. Oh. Do you know what a facultative short day plant? I have no idea. I don't either. <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, it flowers and flowers in a certain number of growing degree days uh, above 10 degrees Celsius or 50 degrees Fahrenheit in the environment to which it is adapted. Um, yep, yeah, okay. Oh, man, they're getting away. Like, the down here, like, down in the depths here, it's all science. <laughs> it's all, oh, no. But then they it's all have science. stucco head of the Maya maze god. Hey, that's a nice, Ooh. that's a nice looking god. I'll put that in. Uh, <laughs> put that in there uh, for you to look at. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I am going to go and I'm going to click on bourbon whiskey. Naturally. Let's see. All right. Let's go to New Year's Day. Oh, that is a pretty cool looking god. Hmm? Uh, New Year's Day is uh, it's a day. Um, <laughs> which I was definitely farther down the page and didn't need to scroll up quickly. Uh, also simply called New Year or New Year's is observed 1 January. Thanks, Europe. Uh, the first day of the year on the modern Gregorian calendar as well as the Julian calendar. Um, in pre-Christian Rome... Oh, second second sentence? Second sentence? <laughs> We're just... Under the Julian calendar... Rome the invented we... the New Year. <laughs> Screw you, <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> Uh, in the pre-Christian Rome, under the Julian calendar, the day was dedicated to Janus, the god of gateways and beginnings, for whom January is also named. We know and do not care. Um, all right, I'm going to just scroll down here. There, I'm a little surprised. I mean, they do really, once you get past the like history part here, where they, of course, have to talk about Rome, uh, they hit the uh, you know different countries and continents uh pretty heavily on on different uh traditions for the new year it's pretty cool uh uh in talking about yeah where, what you would see in different countries in africa although they list africa as a country here as i'm realizing that's cool um yeah and then in different uh uh yeah different different countries and how they how they how they uh deal with the new year and and celebrate all together I do want to mention uh, the one, that, really the only one that helps me out. 
uh, I was very afraid that I was going to get through this entire page without anything mentioning actually drinking. Yeah. Which, I mean, they do, but nothing's linked mm. until you get to, um, uh, where did it go? In Ireland, New Year's Day was called a phrase I cannot even attempt, mm-hmm. or the day of buttered bread. I'm going to stick with that. A possible meaning to the consumption of buttered bread was to ward off hunger and famine in the in the upcoming year by placing the buttered bread on the doorstep in the morning, uh, which I also thought was like the rabbit rabbit thing. I thought that's where that came from. Um, some traditions, you guys do know that, right? Mm-hmm. Do you do that? I, I mean, I don't on, do it. I see it on Twitter the start of each month oh, cl- it trends yeah that's cute oh i thought it was only at the beginning of the year not not every month they do it every month oh i'm way behind on it then yeah. dang um some traditions saw parties of young people calling out from house to house to receive buttered bread and occasionally poteen which seems to be some kind of alcohol <laughs> <laughs> or to give out buttered bread in exchange for pennies the tradition has since died out having having been popular in the 19th centuries and waning in the 30s and 40s. Uh, that's what I'm going to click on. Uh, poteen. Mm, which is poteen. a distilled beverage. So that's nice. what I'm going with. It's at least on the chart. Tim, you're a bourbon whiskey. So I need to get to straight whiskey, right? Straight whiskey. <laughs> yep. I have looked through this page. Me too. And I don't think straight whiskey is linked on here. Kyle's still in it. <laughs> <laughs> bourbon whiskey is a type of american whiskey which is linked to american whiskey a barrel aged distilled spirit made primarily from corn the name ultimately derives from the french bourbon dynasty although the precise inspiration for the whiskey's name is uncertain contenders include bourbon county in kentucky and bourbon street in new Orleans, both of which are named nice. after the dynasty bourbon has been distilled since the 18th century the name bourbon was not applied until the 1850s and the Kentucky etymology was not advanced until the 1870s. Although bourbon may be made anywhere in the United States, it is strongly associated with the American South and with Kentucky in particular. As That's a t- right. As of 2014, distillers' wholesale market revenue for bourbon sold within the U.S. was about $2.7 billion. And bourbon made up about two-thirds of the $1.6 billion of U.S. exports for distilled spirits. Wow. That's incredible. That is. According to the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States, in 2018, U.S. distillers derived $3.6 billion in revenue from bourbon and Tennessee whiskey, which links to Tennessee whiskey, a closely related (laughs) spirit produced in the state of Tennessee, sold in the United States. It was recognized in... Does every state have their own whiskey? Like, that would be cool, right? Like, instead of state parks, we have state whiskeys. (laughs) Just Tennessee has got... (laughs) It's whiskey. Kentucky's got its bourbon. Michigan's just got a bunch of uh, craft beers. Nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we've got founders, which we should. We're proud of that. Like <laughs> people seem to like that a lot. Uh, Less yeah. proud of it than I used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was yeah. recognized in 1964 by the United States Congress as a distinctive product of the United States. Bourbon sold in the United States must be produced in the U.S. From at least 51% corn, 49% is whatever else you want, and stored in a new container just... a new container of charred oak. You gotta have the oak. That's right. Um, so yeah, I will. Uh, I am going to click on American Whiskey. American Whiskey! <laughs> American Whiskey! Drink away from me! <laughs> poteen is a traditional irish distilled beverage Uh, it says a 40 to 90 percent there common uh former common names for poteen and i'm i'm obviously pronouncing this completely incorrectly and i apologize former common names for poteen were quote-unquote mountain dew (laughs) not i'm it's that's cited by the way i mean that's a good name honestly yeah it is it's great mountain tea and i like mountain tea yeah and the devil's spittle which takes a hard turn yeah it had a hard turn oh you can't have me some of that mountain tea is just like the most potent 
Poot- oh yeah Poyton. it'll <laughs> sit you down yeah yeah um yeah uh that is that is great um okay so uh yeah it's it it can um <clears throat> in accordance with the irish protein and irish technical file can only be made from cereals grain whey sugar beets molasses and potatoes that's it those are the only options um okay so here's my problem tim Mm -hmm. uh we did the same thing uh there are whiskeys on this page however all of them are well both of them rather are very specific whiskeys (laughs) oh so i have to (laughs) to do something here um i do want to mention here uh that according to okay there is a legal status for poteen uh, and basically, the thing that's going on here uh, is that a lot of people who, uh, I, I guess the the experts in this field, basically say uh, that if you buy what what is called poteen in basically any store or anything like that uh, at an airport or a, or a bar, it's it's really 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 watered down. It's nothing like what the actual thing is, according to it. Oh. Uh, what, according to this uh, writer, uh, which is cited here, they say it's simply white duty paid Irish schnapps. By definition, poteen is illegal and can't be sold. Mm. Oh, Cause nice. Because it's, it's that strong, I guess. Sure. So um, the options that I have here are single malt whiskey or pure pot still whiskey. <laughs> and I feel like either one of them is good. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm gonna click single malt. Sounds good. Oh my gosh! Okay, sorry. Tim, American whiskey. <laughs> You're American whiskey. whiskey. Whiskey is like yeah, produced uh, in the United States. Yep. Nice. Oh, good. The primary types of American whiskey are bourbon whiskey, rye whiskey, rye malt whiskey, malt whiskey, wheat whiskey, Tennessee whiskey, and corn whiskey. All of these are made <laughs> from mashes so with at say. least 51% of their named grains. So Tennessee is a grain. Wow. <laughs> uh, also, I mean, just... Sure. Yeah. Sorry. Also included are blended whiskeys, blends of straight whiskeys, grain whiskeys, and spirit whiskeys, which do not specify a dominant grain. Dominant grain. In the case <laughs> of blends, American whiskeys may include artificial <laughs> colors and flavorings, I mean, that's that's America. Yeah, that's what we do. Uh, so, uh, what else did I want to mention on here? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Tennessee whiskey uh, is a recognized name defined under NAFTA, at least one other international trade agreement, and the law of Canada as a straight bourbon whiskey lawfully produced in the state of Tennessee. Tennessee whiskey production is also governed by Tennessee law. Tennessee House Bill 1084 was passed in 2013 for products produced in the state labeled as Tennessee whiskey and included the, the existing requirements for bourbon and further required use of the Lincoln County process for filtering the whiskey through a thick layer of maple charcoal before placing it in barrels for aging, with an exception grandfathered yeah, I... in for Benjamin Pritchard's Distillery in Kelso, Tennessee, <laughs> which does not use it. I don't know if he has a maple allergy or something. I don't know why just one distillery. <laughs> just like, they're like, no. Uh, so there's two <laughs> major brands of Tennessee whiskey. Did you know that? No. no. I mean, you probably know Jack Daniels, right? Sure, sure. I do. There's another one called George John Dickel. Daniels. <laughs> oh, no, that's what? <laughs> how, did, how is he not? Exactly. Like, why didn't he become the popular name? Weird. I'm, wow, I was simultaneously so close and so far away at the same time. George. Oh, incredible. I, uh, I'm i not going to go into a bar and order that, I guess. That's... <laughs> they have a superior, they have the old number 8 brand and a superior number 12 brand. Mm. Uh, yeah, founded by George A. Dickel from Germany. <laughs> a... Is the middle in the shoulder? It's good. It's good. Uh, it's good. Man was meant for food this. Food critic Morgan Murphy. <laughs> food critic Morgan Murphy said, "Distilled twice, the White Dog number one foundation recipe at Dickel is chilled, 
then filtered through wool blankets and maple sugar charcoal before it is put into the barrel. And the result is smooth, sweet, but not overly so, and peppery. Ah, peppery. So is that the, that's the blankets, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I like. I always um. Like I I I I read reviews of mm-hmm. lots of alcoholic drinks, like whiskeys uh-huh. and okay. stuff, and how they're like, oh, this one's sweet and peppery, and it's like that sounds really appealing. And then I yeah. try a taste of one, and I just wheeze. <laughs> and it's like I don't, I don't, I don't pick this up. Like I don't, I don't taste sure. it. I mean, and there's a YouTube commercial uh, that I've seen a few times for for bourbon, where like the sort of okay. the bartender's like, "Oh, this is the one I love," uh, and he's like, uh, "You know, you should try it just like once, you know, at least once, like." It's definitely not everyone's sort of thing. Like, this is for their own product. You know, it's definitely not everyone's sort of thing, but I like it a lot. And it's like, I'm like, I, I kind of like how honest this commercial is. <laughs> but, like, not everyone is going to like bourbon. <laughs> but there are people who do. And that's and if you don't like it, that's okay. <laughs> that's good. Yep. Yeah, it's I fine. Ha- I'm not big on bourbon or whiskey. Uh, I like gin. Yeah, I'm a little bit more like that, I guess. Bourbon whiskey tastes like like trees. Yeah. Uh, and then gin tastes like evergreen trees. <laughs> I like that better. <laughs> it's more, It feels more environmental is what you're saying. <laughs> no, it just tastes be- like it tastes more like, yeah. wi- like Christmas in a way. <laughs> I, uh, I've not been a heavy drinker of it before, um, but I, I do... Mm, I've enjoyed it the couple times I've had it. Let's put it that way. It like it's it's been yeah. it's fine. It's good, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I I need to have more kinds. It, the other thing about it is I'm so cheap, and I'm like, yeah, already I'm like, that. ah, beer's real expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so then to get into spirits, it's like, uh, you you do not don't know how to do this. Yeah. So, but. I don't oh know. boy. And the reason we went to whiskey is that I just thought, oh, whiskey's a cool word. Also, I like whiskey and bourbon sounds so good. Like, like I want to, you know what I mean? Or port or it's just like, like they're great sounding drinks. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't particularly like them, but I still respect like how distinguished they sound Mm -hmm. and like those connotations when someone talks about them. Scott, when you said the when you said our starting page, I thought you were trying to do a joke off of Whisker. Oh, yes, you caught me. No. <laughs> I'm not that. I mean, clever. we could have ended on George Dickel. <laughs> we could have ended on George Dickel. What if I just told you to get from Mike the Cat to George Dickel? Yeah, well, I mean... we we would not have made any progress. Nope. Uh... No, you can't Google it. <laughs> I would have just imagined, like, is that from Cats? <laughs> like, the musical? <laughs> yes. Not wrong. That's one of the cats, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pumpernickel Gore Man. <laughs> That's the cat. You know, that one cat. Yeah. Uh, the one wearing a scarf. <laughs> the handkerchief cat. <laughs> the one that drinks, I guess. The one with the boa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well... Thanks for coming along on this ride, you two, and you listening. Uh, mm-hmm. You can find more episodes of our podcast um, on your favorite podcatcher. Uh, we're almost at fifty episodes. I think this is is this forty one forty seven. Yeah, think. something like yeah. This is one forty eight. We're getting oh, close boy. to one fifty. Oh my gosh! When we end the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> when we finally don't know anything, <laughs> the curse is broken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. Now you can find yeah, you can find uh if you're like online at work and you have to go to a browser, you can go to wskbcast.blogspot.com and listen there. Uh we're on Twitter um at wskbcast. And uh yeah, that's pretty much it. I know it's been a while since the last episode, but like it was the holidays, that's some right. of us got sick. It was the whole thing. We're all fine now though. It was yeah. not COVID. And uh we're <laughs> 
we're uh we're good to go i think we might we'll probably get uh, more regular going forward we'll see yeah oh i mean it's 2021 what else can it you know what else can it throw on us again until episode 150 when we quit no, right right know. when the curse is broken right just kidding no i'm no, I'm not kidding no i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll all right. Guys later. i'll see you later bye yeah. good night So this this uh, these mysterious cats. When I was trying to search for the mouser of uh, <laughs> appointed by the the official mouser appointed by the the prime minister, um, mysteries on Listverse lists oh. the ten mysterious cats of Great Britain. Big cats such as lions, tigers, and leopards are not native to the British Isles. The most fearsome feline known to the British are the wildcats that have made a cozy home in the highlands of Scotland. Oh. Um, mm. Despite this, Great Britain has a treasure trove of big cat sightings. Uh, that number 10 was the Fiskerton Phantom there, which is just a great Whoa. name. But it only scales up from there to the Beast of Bodmin Moor, the Fen Tiger of Cambridgeshire, Big Cats of Monmouthshire, the big cats of the Cotswolds, uh, the big cats of Shropshire and Wales. It you, you can see a theme. Uh, mm. The beast of Bhutan, the policeman and the mystery cat, <laughs> the beast of Bevenden, and then the lion of Bedford. Just basically, just a big cat that was seen in Bedford in 2012. Uh huh. That they they said. It was a lion. No one really found it. Mm. So um, according to them, according to their police there, they say that the, the, the lion was probably nothing more than a fat Maine coon. Which, Great. that's a big cat. It is a big cat. So yeah, I in, in my course of trying to find the official mouser, I stumbled across this wonderful list and I had to share that with you.